Welcome to Seds and Sandals, a PNE podcast by the Lancashire Post. This week we're taking a look back at the Stoke City game. We'll be discussing the defeat to Millwall at the weekend, previewing the FA Youth Cup tie against Blackburn Rovers, and the league game against Hull City. And we'll be talking about the training ground. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to Seds and Sandals. My name is Tom Sandals and this week there is no Dave Seddon. It's half term so he's booked time off to spend with his kids and look after them and all that sort of stuff. Do He's just generally doing dad things. So instead I'm joined by uh, Martin Atherton who is P&E's club statistician amongst other things. So uh, welcome to the podcast Martin. You're your first ever guest on the podcast. Uh, do you want to tell people a little bit about yourself? Uh, thanks Tom. Uh, yeah I'm... Um... As a North End statistician, I've done that for 24 years now. Started back in 1996 after Mr. Gray invited me to take the role on. Um, and uh, I've been a North End fan since 1968. My first game, I finally tracked it down, was again a night game against Portsmouth. Nil <laughs> nil uh, draw. At home, um, I assume. At home, yes. Hold <laughs> uh, well on. 11 years old. No, 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 I'd have been 12 because it was September. 12 years old. Uh, and I also um, uh, I lead the Sporting Memories Group at Preston North End, mm. and, uh, which is where I'm leaving after this, which is yeah. where I'm in my corporate clothing. <laughs> so I'm going to my, my other job. Kitted out so, in North End gear. Yeah. Anybody out there thinking about retiring, don't. It's, uncre- it's incredibly busy. <laughs> Ridiculously busy. busy. I'm not sure that's what people sign up for when they retire. No, it's not in the job description. <laughs> yeah. But we'll be talking about all things North End and a bit more as per usual. No change on that front. We're still here at UCLan to record the podcast. So as ever, we'd like to say thank you to the university for letting us record here. So it's episode four. Let's get going. Oh, Martin, can you cast your mind back to Stoke? 2-0 away. Not the best of first halves, but second half was exactly what people would have wanted. Um, I think sometimes in football they talk about winning ugly, don't they? <laughs> and I think that was one of them. Um, as to some extent, it had been a few days earlier at Wigan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they, they were poor in the first half, but didn't concede, which is always important. Um and then two opportunistic goals, I think you call them, mm-hmm. scored. Um, both of them with a bit of an element of luck from headers dropping. But you know, when you're up at the top of the table, they drop to a striker. When you're down at the bottom, the store car, mm. they fall to a striker, but yeah. not one of yours. They don't fall to a defender. Um, and I think you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> that's a nice cliche, isn't it? Um, <laughs> end of the game... It doesn't matter. It's two points, and you think, and you learn from the mistakes. You hope, you know, the things that didn't go right. You try and improve on the things that did work well. Um, I thought it was very interesting in, in, in the, the the way the both goals came from set pieces, uh, which of course are always virtually always put in the air from corners. Um, uh, the corner that came back, and then a cross in for the first one. Um, and and you and you think, okay, you've just scored two cracking goals at Wigan. I was looking up when I got home. After I'm trying to remember the last time we scored two goals from low crosses into mm. the box because we just don't do it. Yeah, I've often wondered if it's in the deeds of the ground that you're not allowed <laughs> to put the ball on the floor. You know, uh, on Saturday against Millwall, leaping ahead of it uh, again, two best chances, crosses on the floor. Mm. But then, you know, we put balls into the air against against Stoke. They can't handle it. Um, ben Davis 
supposedly gets on the end of both of them, mm. and they drop nice, and we put them away, and that, and that's and and that's all you can ask for in a game, really. Not play well and win, and that's, not really be under any pressure. That's part of my big, big my, one of my big uh, bugbears of the season so far. I'm, I think I've probably mentioned it on every podcast so far, but. North End very rarely get to the byline and, and whip that ball across the face. You see a lot of teams that will just get into that final third. They'll get in behind and they'll whiz one across the face of goal just to direct towards goal. And I don't, I don't think uh, North End do that um, often enough. You mentioned Ben Davies there, though. What a game he had at Stoke! Oh. Unbelievable player. He's, he's. I, I tweeted out that I don't think Ben Davies will play another season at championship level. Now, whether that's with North End, if North End go up, he may well, he's only got a year left, he may well sign a new contract. We may well have Ben Davies for another few years, especially if we do stay up. Um, if not, I'm struggling to see how a player of his quality, a left-footed English player who's got pace, composure, isn't going to get bullied how he stays in the championship much longer. He could go, in my opinion, could probably go to at least half of the Premier League and get into their team. Yeah, there was all this kerfuffle during the transfer window, wasn't there? That, oh, we've not signed anybody, we've not signed anybody. My, my response to that was, we've not lost anybody. Mm. And I think Ben Davis is one of those players, key, key player. Um, I think, yes, you're right. He's, I think for his personal development... His footballing personal development, he needs to go to a higher level to improve as a player. Now, whether that's with North End, fingers crossed, mm. um, or whether it's with somebody else, I think he's a very level headed lad, is Ben. We've met him, both of us met him several times. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I remember um, sitting next to him at a game once when he was doing radio commentary when he, he couldn't get in the team about three years ago. And his reading of a game was unbelievable. Mm. As then, it had been, what, 20? Sitting next to him, listening to him, and think this lad knows the game. He knows exactly what he's talking about, uh, and you know, and now he's proven he can do it as well. Um, I think the important thing for for Ben is if he does move, and we don't want him to, but if he does move, he needs to make a good move because it's quite easy to go to the Premiership. Don't call it the Premiership; you don't <laughs> like it. That's Scotland Premier uh, League. Premier League. It's easy to go to the, go to the Premier League and get the big money. Hmm. And it not be good for your career, as Jordan Hugel may attest to. Jordan Jordan Hugel might be one. Um, you know, you you go back before that to others who've done it. Mm. You know, uh, uh, David Nugent and Ricardo Fuller when they went to Portsmouth didn't work out for them. Eventually, it did. Yeah, but you know, uh, there's there's quite a few who've done that. You could even say Greg Cunningham at, at Cardiff. Yeah, or even maybe Callum Robinson having come back after six months back into the <coughs> Championship. I think Callum Robinson will be back in the Premier Premier League next year with one. Mm. With West Brom, I think. Yeah, I, I think they're tailor made for him. Yeah, and Sheffield United aren't. <clears throat> uh, it's a good move, but I don't think it's yeah. it's worked out. Don't know why why they'd want a winger in a, a system that only has two no. strikers, but by, by a wide striker and play him central. But anyway, yeah. back to Ben Davis. I think yes, uh, there's lots of clubs looking at him. Hmm. Um, there's lots of clubs looking at him because they're struggling. Hmm. Wrong move to make. I think he needs to go to a shall we say. Seven to twelve club, yeah, yeah. Not, I, not the top I, six because yeah. I don't necessarily, I don't think he necessarily play, yeah. Uh, and he's not ready for that yet. But, but not somewhere one that's going to struggle too much. No. Yeah, um, I mean, I think somewhere like 
somewhere like Wolves might be a nice move for him, where you can play in the back in a maybe even a, in a back three where he can be that left side and he, he's brilliant on the ball. He can play it around, or you know, even somewhere like Sheffield United where he'd be capable of getting forward and play. There have been games sometimes when North End have been pushing for it. And he's been our best midfielder. Where he he stepped into midfield and he started playing passes and he started winning the ball. He, I I just don't see the flaw in his game at the moment. And maybe maybe of of late getting pushed off the ball and letting striker run to clean through because that happened at, at, at Middlesbrough and it, and it uh, happened at the weekend as well, which we'll come on to. But other than that, he very very rarely puts a foot wrong. Yeah, I've had one or two interesting discussions with some of the former players at North End about him going into midfield hmm. in a similar way to Sean Gregan did hmm. 20 years ago uh, I think he's a different player to Sean hmm. but um, his, his ability on the ball we, my, uh, my friend Pete that I sit with he's been going on longer than me and we both say we've had midfield players in the past who can't take a ball down on the chest and strike a pass like uh, like Ben Davis can hmm. you know He's he's very comfortable on the ball. Once or twice, he's too comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's occasions when when you want him to be a centre half and not a footballer. Yeah. Uh, you want but, him just to get rid, and he, they get throw-ins at the edge of our box or yeah. something. Where but he's that's trying to that's play part of his much. that's part of his development, I think. Yeah, I mean, I just I can only see him going up from here, um, and I think just touching back on the Stoke game briefly, those two goals for North End. They are the type of goals you see the top sides get. They were carbon copies of each other. The ball goes in. It's not very well dealt with by either side, and it lands to a north end foot to, to turn home. And I thought I thought as well, just just finally as well, before you um, finish the point on Stoke, I thought the fans were brilliant as well. I thought the fans were really, really noisy, and you could hear them all night there as well. And the noise when that first goal went in and the second goal went in, I thought was brilliant. Yes, and they also have the advantage at Stoke in that they're at the, sh- the, the sheltered end. Mm. As you found out, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Now sitting in the press, it's cold in that press box. Yeah, it's, it's cold in Stoke in general. Get out of the car <coughs> and you just think, "Good God!" Yeah. <laughs> and they've uh, they've built a ground in a windy part of Stoke and enclosed the the the, the leeward end rather than the windward end. Which <laughs> I know why they've done it. They've done it to let air get onto the pitch. But um, yeah, but the fans were brilliant as they have been all season. Mm. You know, um, I was. Uh, Behind the goals at, at Wigan, and, and we thought, oh, it's not going to be a sellout. And there were 3,000 there. Fantastic atmosphere, fantastic support, um, as it has been all, all, all season mm. at, at, at every game, even when uh, when we had that, that dip mm. of really of, of poor games. You know, it's, teams have poor, have poor games sometimes. Yeah. It's football, you know. Especially it's, in the Championship, you're never going to have a, a season where you don't have these, these kinds of runs. They are part and parcel of the division and just lastly on uh, on Ben Davies we're not touting him for a move or anything like that I do know that North End have never actually uh, had a bid for Ben Davies so it's, it's less a ca- uh, at times I suppose it's less a case of uh, keeping hold of him more that no one which surprises me no one has uh, is actually yet to come in for him um, uh, I'm not surprised on that in terms of the January window I mean he's, yeah. he's, he's gone up another level this, this year but I don't think he's quite ready to go into and he's not really—he's yeah. not really a January sign. If you need a January signing, you're not really going to go for a centre half, are you? Well, you might do if you're struggling, but um, I think the adjustment period is something that uh, he would need to have uh, in the summer and pre-season training with teams, and you know, get a lot of the adjustment over then rather than jumping straight in, which is what some other of the you know the players we're talking about before who've made moves. 
and then we're having to adjust um, sometimes in a struggling team yeah. uh, and there are yeah. almost sometimes judged before they've given a fair crack I think Jordan Hugel probably I mean he's not really Premier League quality but coming in in January and if he doesn't make that instant impact couple of months down the line you're looking at him and you're thinking that's oh, just another failed attempt in January sort of thing and he's almost written off at, at that point but we'll move on to uh, one of West Ham's good friends Millwall <laughs> just a poor game really weren't it from a North End perspective first 15 minutes I thought they were brilliant um, similar to Wigan and I, and I said this um, I think I, I may have mentioned it on um, last week's podcast after after Wigan or, or whenever it was and, and Dave was trying to tell me you've got to be careful not to be too negative they have won but the, the, they had a brilliant start at Wigan brilliant start at Millwall but I just don't think they get enough from it at times I think at Wigan they get one goal from chance after chance after chance and loads of really good possession Millwall loads of really good possession creating chances a lot of fluidity in attack all the forwards looking threatening but they don't get a goal Millwall come forward, they win a corner about 15 minutes in and North End never really were the better side after that. No, it's, it, it, it was as though, um, it was almost like, like an away performance hmm. in some respects. I thought, right, we'll give them a real batter for the first 15 minutes, try and get a goal and then see what happens. And I'm not saying North End sat back and defended the nil-nil because they didn't, but something happened when, as you say, uh, Millwall got up, they got a corner, got a second corner straight afterwards. Yep. And that was the pattern of the game to a large extent from then on. You know, the the one attempt North End had in the second half was an injury time, Galley's free kick. Mm. They did absolutely nothing. All right, the wind got up and they were playing into the wind. Uh, but how they can play like that the first 15 minutes and then suddenly change. But to be honest, that's, that's why I go to football. Mm. You know, I've said for a long, long time that the name changes. So it was, if you want to know the result before the game starts, go and watch Manchester United at one point, and then Arsenal at one point, and then Barcelona. Nowadays, Ooh. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, but it, it, there's no runaway team in the Championship this year, as mm. there has been last couple of seasons. Um, West Brom no st- looking like the most likely, but still yeah. faltering. But it also looks to me like a lot of the clubs don't want to go up. <laughs> <laughs> they're, getting, yeah. they're getting a bit close Leeds as a prime example yeah. they're getting a bit close oh I'm not oh, sure about this you almost wonder are we sure about this lads should we just uh, should, we, should we give a go next year instead we almost wonder whether something psychological mm-hmm. if we go up my players might be in threat here <laughs> they might bring somebody else in who's better than me but uh, everybody's doing it I mean you know Barnsley winning 3-0 at Fulham yeah uh, There'll be a few bookmakers booking holidays on the back of that because yeah. they, they didn't see it coming. I think, I, I mean, even at, at the weekend, I think part of the frustration was a lot of the results went North End's way. They could have been third with the goal because of the because of the swing in the in the Fulham. I think they needed something like a four or a three goal swing with Fulham. Obviously, to get beat three 0 and North End goal makes it four, and. They could have been third in the league had they won at home against a side you probably would think they should win at home against. That's no disrespect to Millwall, who are a good side and they're trying to push to to be those dark horses for the playoffs like they have done in the past. Um, but that is a game you'd expect the side with the best home record in the league. And they still have that on, on goals scored at the moment. They've got the same goal difference and points as Derby. You would expect them to win that kind of game, especially after the start they had. You would, but that's football. Yeah, 
you know, I mean, for some reason they didn't play well. Alex Neal admitted it after the game in the press conference, and he said he got his substitutions wrong mm -hmm. to, to to some extent, and they got the tactics wrong. The players just didn't turn up. But he also made the point of we're sixth in the table, and another of my mantras is there's one table that counts, and that's the one with the final whistle goes on the last day of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, we were first just before Christmas. We're sixth now. We've been down to whatever we went down to, tenth, eleventh at one point. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's we've got all these games left. Uh, we're playing well. We've got uh, we've got some very good players. We've got good team spirit. We've got um, uh, our tactics are still evolving. You know, we we, mm -hmm. we show a change, time we change. When you when you change your tactics a bit, sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I think the the frustration, the real frustration. For me on Saturday was uh, the point you raised afterwards about the, the second ball, mm. you know, um, the contentious point you raised. Yeah, the second ball. I, I went, <laughs> that, that went down really well with the manager. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, I think he took your point. It was just, uh, but yeah. you know, no, they, no for got... anyone speaking to a manager after a defeat, uh, just just be just be mindful of your questions because uh, <laughs> it may not always go down quite so well. Don't um, question his tactics. Yeah, yeah. well, I, that's the thing. I wasn't quite questioning his tactics. The point I raised because ninety nine percent of people weren't in the press conference. The point I raised was just that twice now North End concede off um, off a second ball from a corner, which. You've got to consider as a. It's going to be a bit dis disappointing in that you deal with the first one and then you can't deal with the second because North End generally are, are pretty good defending set pieces. Yeah, and I think the, the bit about second balls, the point you were making was we, we conceded from a second ball twice, mm. and, we, and we have. Uh, but at the other end, we weren't winning second balls either. Mm. You know, so at both ends of the field, we, we weren't doing it particularly well. Um, and I was thinking about this at some ridiculous hour of the morning, <laughs> being an old person. That's getting a up normal early, thing. <laughs> up very early. Um, uh, and then I was reading about all the VAR controversy again last night. I was thinking, in the Premier League, they're working on margins of what you young people call centimetres, hmm. what us old people call fractions of an inch. Um, <laughs> they're working on that. We're working on fractions of a second. Hmm. You see the second goal on uh, the the second of the the second phase goal, shall we say, Millwall's mm. goal on Saturday, and uh, Tom Barkazen turns off for for a fraction of a second yeah. and doesn't come out with the rest of the defender. I'm not going to pop it, Tom, at all. It's, no, it's, it's quite like him really because he it yeah. normally he's the most diligent and dogged defender outside of that back line, isn't he? Yeah, but you, you see it on the replays. All of a sudden, oh, he suddenly realizes a man coming in mm. and he can't do anything. But having said that. Uh, it was a cracking run. Yep. Just from, ghosted in yeah, Hutchinson. From Hutchinson. Yeah. Uh, it was a fantastic header. Yeah. Because you see from side on, you see Declan Rudd doesn't move. And you just, you know, because people criticise Declan, you think, okay. You see it from behind the goal, it couldn't get anywhere near it. It's no. just inside the post. Fantastic header. And I think one thing that people possibly don't consider from Saturday, looking back with this, you know, as Alex Neal says, People only remember the, the second half of a game. Mm. Um, Millwall were a good team. Yeah, they were very well organised. Uh, it didn't matter what position players found themselves in; they knew what run to make. Mm. So if somebody's on the on the left wing, he knows where to run. If he's on the right wing, next time he makes the run that that player in that position makes. Hence why a centre half ends up through on goal. Yeah, and well, you said about the the corner. Where did the corner come out? The corner came about from. The other centre half, mm. 
deciding to go and play out on the left wing <laughs> next to the left back who's next to the left winger yeah how do you counter tactics like that yeah because even if you've seen them do it you think they're not going to do it he gets up uh, he had the, the he runs through Declan makes a good save two minutes later he's in the same position again the centre half um, gets a cross in and the next thing you, know, you see him he's running back and he's back in defensive position mm. so who's going to pick him it's up Sheffield United-esque isn't it well, it was, but in a different way. It was the same yeah. principle. It was, but more, yeah, like a more solid and more rigid, <laughs> maybe, but slightly less less fluid, or less maybe possession orientated. Although they probably still had. Yeah, but uh, I mean, uh, Hutchison was in the press conference, wasn't it, after the game? And mm. he said uh, that uh, Gary Rowett doesn't mind. If you're in the position you think you can make a run, make a run yeah. from anywhere. And that's that's a lovely freedom for a player. Yeah. We said about Ben Davies before. We'd like to see Ben Davis. Maybe he makes those runs occasionally. Yeah. But instead of with a ball, just deciding to. Yeah, just go and occupy the space. No, I'm give, not sure that fits Alex Neal's tactics. No, <laughs> especially when you play four at the back. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I thought they were they were a much better team than I thought they were. Yeah. Um, that some of the players I was looking for, like Bod Varson, mm. I thought was much more withdrawn than I expected. Same but with Jed Wallace. But it need to be because he was filling in for the centre-half. Yeah, I thought, I thought Jed Wallace, had, I was looking forward to seeing Jed Wallace because I mentioned him last week on the podcast that I thought I think he's a really good player. And I thought he had quite a quiet game, but I wouldn't say anyone in the Millwall team necessarily had a bad game. Oh, but no. I'd say a few of them may have had quiet games, but it was just the way that system worked that as a team, they got the better They got the better of, uh, of North End. Just quickly though, Clark came in for Fisher, which was a bit of a, a, a bone for contention. Um, Fisher had a bit of a, a tweak to his, his hamstring, which he struggled with uh, in the past that Alex Neal mentioned. And then Nugent in for Maguire, which seemed to... And I, I asked Alex Neal after the game if, whether he was tempted to stick with Maguire against that three of the back system, but he didn't feel like there'd be that space in behind for Maguire to exploit. Nugent should have had a goal, really. Um Clark came in. I thought he did. He did okay. He cleared some very important crosses like he, he normally does. I think it might go a bit under the radar at times that those clearances at the far post that Clark always seems to be in the right place, goal side to to make those clearances. Where where do you stand on this big debate about Tom Clark in the North End side, especially at right back? Um, it worked on Saturday. Hmm. It doesn't always work. It depends. I mean, Tom Clark will be no good against an out and out winger. So, for example, you wouldn't like to think that Tom Clark was defending against Scott Sinclair. Mm. If Scott Sinclair's got a run and he's going at, at pace. Um, but in that sort of... So we're saying about the centre-half and the full-back overloading with the winger on the left-hand side, so Tom Clark's side. I don't. He wasn't caught out of position at any point. He was overwhelmed at times mm. simply because other people weren't dropping out. You, to drop three people out to that side, to mark three people. But, no, I, he brought him in for his height... Uh, because you look at the, the you look at the team walking out, and there's six, seven giants in that team, which we've not seen for two or three weeks in yeah. games. Uh, it, it, I remember, I've read something last year that said that, uh, some old players say when I played in the fifties, centre halls were five foot ten and fast. <laughs> now they're six foot five and they, <laughs> and they lumber a bit, you yeah. know, but they dominate. Um, so bringing him in, I I don't think it it backfired at all. Mm. Um, and everybody says, "Why wasn't Joe Rafferty in there if uh, if Darnell Fisher's injured? Um, Joe Rafferty's not tall. I think Joe Rafferty's a, a seriously underrated player mm. on both sides of the pitch. Um, and I think this the, there's a, then a debate about is it Hughes or Rafferty on the left? 
is it Fisher or Rafferty on the right? And that says a lot about about Joe Rafferty. And I think he's sort of losing out a little bit in that in that situation because he's a right back who's also a very effective left back. Mm. Uh, but going back to Tom Clark, no, I think uh, well, he showed again there was a clearance, wasn't it? A far post clearance. Um, he he made one at uh, Blackburn Rovers on the when he collided with the post late on, mm. and uh, you're never going to get anything less than than 100% from Tom. Uh, and if when you're under pressure, he just drops in and stays there. He doesn't overlap. He's not an overlapping fullback, so you might lose that. But if he's needed defensively, then fine. And you just hope that when he's in there, it's it's for the right reasons. Um, I said about you wouldn't like to see him against Scott Sinclair. You wouldn't like to see him at, at Hull mm. against mm. Uh, Grzycki when yeah. he was there. Yeah. You know, all right. Poor Ryan Ledson got hung out to dry for that one. But yeah. I think you could have put, you might have put Darnell Fisher and Joe Rafferty on that side, and because you might just have had a, struggled. Another good game. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think Rafferty struggled early on against Swansea against Andre Ayew in the air which I think may have, have played on Alex Neal's mind because he, he, he mentioned after that game that he's, he'd spoken to Rafferty and said you need to shore that up you need to because that, that was where they were going with the ball um, and I think Rafferty is probably a bit unfortunate but that's just the way things go sometimes you just choose different horses different courses all that sort of stuff and and Clark got the nod for his for his height, and Tom Barkhausen recently after the after the Rovers game said, "You see, in his words, you see Skip coming on, and you know you're going to war. This 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 is the kind mm-hmm. of man you want going to war. If 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 North End got to Wembley, Barkhausen wants him as his mascot because he wants him on the pitch. <laughs> he wants him out there. He well, needs that. That's that's the steam that he's held in in that dressing room. Well, funny you say that because." Uh, Oh, it's four years ago now, we're nearly five. But when we were at Wembley for the playoff final, 2015, um, where I was sat in the corner at the uh, on the side, you could see straight down the tunnel. And the, t- oh, the players had been out and done the warm-up. And then uh, when the teams were coming out to, to, to do the warm-up, they just came to the end of the tunnel and then Tom, and just put, uh, Tom, Tom Clark just put his arm out and stopped everybody and turned around, made sure they were all there and said something and they just walked out. And I just turned to, to Pete and I said, they're not going to lose today. <laughs> there was just something about the the, the, the presence of Tom Clark mm. that then transmitted to the team. And, you know, given North End's record, we're all nervous about being at playoff final. But as, as soon as I saw that, I thought, they're not going to lose. Yeah, He's a leader of men. Because of his age, he's going a little bit backwards in his career. But yeah. he's not. He's by no means... I think not a first team player. Anyway. I'd liken it similarly as well to John Welsh, who I think was given an extra season, if nothing else, just because of what he was like around the place and what what a what a good guy he was. And I think people like that sometimes are, are valuable to have, even if they can't offer as much on the pitch. Off the pitch is uh, is a massive part of the game. Um, we'll move on tonight as we record this on Tuesday. It's a, a youth team FA Youth Cup fifth round. PNE going to Rovers to uh, to play Blackburn's under 18s. Winner gets Arsenal at home. Should be uh, should be an interesting game. I mean, winning two 0 at Deepdale last time out against Oxford. Uh, Ethan Walker got both the goals. That Penenka, which was filthy, I've I'll got to say. Yeah, take both words for it. Yeah, it's 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 always interesting because North End fans won't. Often, obviously, they can go to watch them at UCLan at, at 10.30 every other week when, when they kick off. But North End fans generally, 
don't get too many opportunities to see the youth team in in high profile games as such and and because there's no kind of recognized under 23s or under 21 side it's a good opportunity for both north end fans to see that what's coming through the academy but also the academy to play in these stages and to 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 get that sort of experience isn't it yeah i mean some of these young lads might never play in a football league ground again hmm. you know for some of them they might get one opportunity so you take it uh what i i really like going to watch these youth team games at, at Deepdale. Uh, one of the think one of the reasons people don't go up to 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 Uclam at Cotton is there's no shelter. Mm. <laughs> the weather's yeah. bad. It's a bleak place to be. Uh, I used to coach my kids at hockey up there when it was Springfield. So yeah, I know how bleak it can be out there uh, <laughs> when the weather's bad. But when you go to Deepdale, and, and what are the the advantages? I think as a fan, you can sit back and relax and enjoy the game when it's a YouTube. You're not you're not sat forward as much. Yeah. Uh, but we've got some terrific young players. We've got. A, a, a very good youth set up, and every year you see these players. And uh, you know, in, <clears throat> in the last few years, we've had um, we've had Josh Earl come through, we've had uh, Adam Adam O'Reilly, we've Joe Back uh, Joe Baxter. Joe Baxter. Make sure my age there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, and Ethan Walker, as you say, we've got all these players come through. Now there's uh, Josh's brother Louis, hmm. who's becoming a very competent cent- central defender. Who scores goals? Mm. Uh, we've got the young man Lewis Colton, yep. who features as a 15-year-old last year at fullback, and now he seems to be pushed up on a little bit further. Yep, wide midfield. Who set up a uh, set up a, a, the second goal for Ethan Walker at Deepdale yep. against Oxford. Uh, you've got young man Tyrese. Yeah. Um, I had a check. We've never had a Tyrese play in the first team before. So. Hey, <laughs> but last year, it was if that's a, not inspiration, Tyrese. <laughs> I don't know what would be. It, last year, it was it was like a, a bottle of pop that he was shaking up too much and taking the top off because he's just he gave him the ball and he just zzz, he'd yeah. run anyway. Not necessarily to any great effect. Um, they've made him captain this season. I think that might be a uh, for his own development or anything else. And he's a different player. And he's He's very good on the ball. He's very direct, creates chances. Uh, but he's developed a, a defensive side to his game. And, of course, we've got young uh, Jimmy Corcoran in goals, mm. who is a very confident young man. If for no other reason anybody's thinking of going to the game, go and sit there and listen to him talking to his defence because he is a, he's he's not lacking in confidence, that young man. He's a very good goalkeeper. And not to forget Tyler Williams, who featured, uh, well, almost featured on the bench uh, this season, didn't he? Yes, he was, was part yeah. of the sort of match day squad, but not the mm-hmm. not the eighteen. This is something that that Alex Neal is very good at. He gets players in and gives them a taste of the first team experience environment. He's not going to play. He might have got on the bench in an emergency, but then he would it would have been a, another emergency for him to play. But he gives them the experience of being around. Jack Harmer's done the same mm. when he's been he's been back. You know, he's actually been on the bench, hasn't he, for for one game. Um, but he gives these young lads the opportunity to see what it's like to be a professional footballer as part of their ongoing development and it's great to see you know you, you go to a away game and you think we've got nine subs warming up down there <laughs> you know they do a little tippy tappy with the ball they've got eight outfield subs and oh yeah oh, who's that young lad 
Oh, yeah. there, there's another young lad. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Quite often it was Jack Baxter and uh, Adam O'Reilly that would yeah. th- th- just be the extra two subs there, just getting that experience of warming up with, yeah. with the team and, and being a part of that first team environment. I think part of it is because they don't necessarily have that next step and other teams can't see them to trust to take them out on loan. Obviously they are out on loan at the moment at, at Clitheroe and, and Staley Bridge. Um, but it's important to kind of be bedded in as well with the squad and, and be around them as much as they can at, at Springfield. I know they get changed separately. Uh, it's only like a, a room apart at, at Springfield. But there is still that divide where you've got to earn your stripes into the side. But it's also about um, still being used to being in that in that scenario. And Ethan Walker, who's getting first-team experience as well at, at Staley Bridge, although he's not been in the squad of late, he can play tonight he because it's only a youth loan and he's still under 18 he can come back into the side and and get that experience at a football league ground as well yeah and i think that's important because uh you know we're talking about under 18s ethan's what 17 Mm. still um but he's going to bring experience to that team and be a leader Mm. because and you can see that when he plays i think yeah his, his development over the last 18 months um not just in terms as on the ball, if you like, but his, his development has been really interesting to watch and, and see. And I think again, that's that's a tribute to uh, to everybody in the youth set up, um, to uh, Nick Harrison and and uh, Andy Fensum and the rest of them, uh, but also to the first team's uh, coaching staff and the and the squad, because um, I think the days of a young player coming into the squad and having to know their place, I think that's gone to some extent, uh, in that the, the the senior pros will. Take them under the wing and yeah. and and guide them through the process and explain yeah. to them. And you know, you see them uh, this season. We've seen one or two of the young lads uh, where they've been with the substitutes warming up before the game, and there's somebody like uh, Nuges there, and he's having a laugh and a joke with them. And he's taking the mic out of them, but in a positive way, mm. not not the old like clip, hazing, not the your, clip round the ear yeah. way, but you know, having, having a laugh with them and, and bringing them on, and then uh, just at half time. Sometimes you see him because they sit next to the bench, don't they, as well. Uh, just walking off at half-time with his arm around him and you'll see him pointing and explaining things. Yeah. And this is this is excellent. They've also had the chance in the Senior Cup games to play together, which I think is quite important. Uh, we've not yet mentioned <laughs> Holm Wilkinson, who started against Rovers in the Senior oh. Cup game. And um, I think Tyrese Dolan started that game. It was his cross for Huntington's yeah. header. So th- there is that sort of connection there already and... and these players do have experience that they can they can draw when they come into these games, especially like the likes of like Holland Wilkinson or or Walker or what used to be O'Reilly and Baxter who had had that experience or regularly training with the first team. I think Dolan's a bit in that situation now. I think Alex Neal quite likes uh, Tyrese Dolan, um, and you can tell the players that have got that sort of experience and have got that 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 nature about them where they say, "Come on, give me the ball, I'll." I'll set the set the tone. I think Ethan Walker is very much like that in in that side where he wants the ball, he wants the centre of attention. Which, when you see the penalty, you can see why. But at the same time, it, it, people can get carried away at, at a young age. For me, I think go for it, go and make your mark. I, I think even when uh, Ethan came on against Aston Villa a lot time ago, when he came on, he was still direct with the ball. He was still driving with the ball. That was his his first game. Was he still 16 at the time? Yeah, still 16, yeah. And he, he comes on and he wants to run at people against Aston Villa, who are 
former European champions and and, and whatever. And I, I I really enjoy watching the youth team because you can see that they are there to make an impression. Because Alex Neal, I'm pretty sure, will be there tonight because he was there for oh, the yeah. Oxford game. I see no reason why he wouldn't go to, to Rovers considering the amount of games he goes to watch anyway. Galley will be there as well. Galley is at all the games. Yeah. Uh, and quite a few of the players go. I think. I've seen Nuge at a couple of games. Uh, uh, Paul Huntington is a regular watcher. You know, they go on the far side when they're at Deepdale, uh, a, a group of them. Uh, and that's good to see. And it gives the lads confidence, doesn't it, as well? But I think... The, the 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 issue that North End do have to address, and you touched on it, is that transition. Mm. Where do they go? Uh, that's possibly one of the reasons behind this deal with Cork City. Mm. Then they've got somewhere to send, not necessarily take players on loan, but send players on loan at a playing at a good level, where they'll be looked after, because um, that's important as well. And they have a different season over there, of course, a slightly different season. But yeah. uh, there's no reason why the lads can't go over there and get some. Strong it, development. If you know you're going to have game time in mind, there's no harm to have them in and around the, the team during the season a little bit longer if you know they're going to get all that game time and a season and, and games that have stakes anyway. Yeah, and if they're playing, what do they play, March to October or something, I think they play. So, you know, if, if they're playing, if they're around here and they go there in April, say, they're not, you're not going to get near the first team the rest of the season. Go over there in April. Come August, they've got might have four months of experience, mm. and then you find, okay, we've had our usual preseason. We've lost a couple of players. Let's say uh, Adam O'Reilly, for example. You know, we lost a couple of central midfielders. We need something like that. Adam O'Reilly's been playing; he's good enough for the first team anyway. We know that's close enough. He's got experience. Right, bring him back from Ireland. Yep. Have him in the in the squad. No, he'll be match fit. Yeah, uh, so. We don't know if that's going to happen, but I'd be very surprised if it doesn't. Yeah, I think I think there was there was something where they've they've bought out Alan Brown and Sean Maguire's uh, buyout clause, not buyout um, sell-on clauses, yeah. and it's the case with most transfers these days that if players move on, they get a percentage. I think he came to around half a million euros, something, something along that lines. Which, if you think of Alan Brown, you'd expect maybe. 10 million for it at this point. I know he's only got 12 months left, but if he's signed a new deal, there's, there's 10 million there. Or Sean Maguire, if you were to think maybe five, six, seven million as an Ireland international, say both have 10%, North End are making a profit there and they're, and they're helping out Cork, who I think are in a bit of a financial trouble. It, it strikes a bit of the uh, Tom Barcazen deal from Morecambe to me, where North End are, are making it, uh, are helping someone else out, but also also helping themselves out. But for anyone that wants to go to the youth team game tonight, it's, uh, tickets are £4, £2 concessions, and all season ticket holders can go free. So it's uh, a nice way to go and easy way to go and support the the uh, the young players um, and it is at Ewood Park, yeah. Because the uh, Blackburn website shows it at, at Brockall. It does, yes. uh, and, and, it and definitely is at at, yeah. uh, at Ewood. Um, I think we've got a section of the Jack Walker stand from memory. Um, now, Saturday, Hull City. Still, I'm still as you mentioned earlier. I'm still having flashbacks from what Jared Bowen and and Krasitsky did to uh, to North End that night. The the four nil. That's probably the peak. Of the of the the bad run that North End had, but the good news is, no Grzyzewski, no Jared Bowen. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been absolutely decimated in January. They brought brought players in. They brought in uh, Marcus Madison from Peterborough, who's been flirting with the Championship for probably about two and a half years now. Uh, Malik Wills uh, Wilkes has come in from Barnsley, who I thought was brilliant for Doncaster when they beat North End um, in the FA Cup three nil. Um, so they've kind of 
signed replacement. James Scott as well is coming from Motherwell for about one and a half million. They got a pretty good result against Swansea in the end, the 4-4. Um, they're not a bad side overnight, but they're definitely not as strong as when they have when you have someone like Jared Bowen and then Krasitsky as well. No, I, I think we said before about bringing players in in January. These players have got to bed in very quickly. Mm. Um, the expectations of the fans are we've lost two high-profile players for very big money. These are replacements for comparatively big money, nothing like the, the fees that, that, that we've received for selling players on, but that puts a lot of pressure on the, on the players. And to be honest, Hull were inconsistent before they lost Grzycki and, and Bauer. So um, you have to think what you're going to get. No idea. Mm. Absolutely no idea. Which is quite often the case with Hull, really. <laughs> I thought probably under Nigel Adkins was probably the most consistent where they had a spell where they were sort of threatening to challenge for the playoffs. But Hull, you you never seem to know what Hull's going to turn up, never mind per season or even every week. You know, you, you just they're just one of those sides. I think QPR are a bit similar where on any day they could turn up with a brilliant result, but on another day they could completely fall apart. Yeah, I think the absolute typical championship side to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a, a friend who lives in Hull who comes to every North End home game, Graham. So he sort of he knows what's yes. going on. Graham Atkinson. No, no, no. Oh. I, uh, sorry, I said me, my, what about me, oh. me and Pete. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and he, he he tells us quite a lot about what's going on around the club. It's just, there's a lot of discontent at Hull, which has not been helped at all by the selling of the, yeah, the two star players. They don't like the owner, do they? Um, no, and and uh, you know the crowds have fallen off. Dramatically, as you know from early in the season, the mm. top top of the main stand isn't open, but you've still got to hike all that way up to the press box, <laughs> which is a, a a good cardiovascular workout, oh, yes. there, isn't it? But yes. uh, and then you open the suites at half time and do yeah. all that work. Mm. But uh, they've um, this. I I really don't know. Mm. I really don't know what's to come. I think the fact that North End was so poor that night um, will be an incentive for the, for the players to sort of put that right a bit. Um, you would also hope that after the Millwall game, the players are um, looking to sort of put things. Not that they have to put things right; they don't owe anybody anything. Yep. They're allowed a poor performance, but you would hope there's a. You know, they always say after defeat, you want a positive reaction, um, and I think this is probably a good opportunity to to get one. On the other hand, because they've lost the two most obvious players and brought three three new ones in who've only been in what three weeks, um, there's not a lot of um, evidence on which to base North End's tactics. So you just concentrate on yourself and to a large extent let them do what, what, what they will because uh, you know you don't know how, how, how the new players are, are going to fit in and what, who's going to play and who's not, where they're going to play exactly. Uh, so it could, should be an interesting game again. Yeah, Patrick Bauer also already mentioned uh, post-match uh, from Millwall that that result is, is still in their minds. I mean, it was just a, a poor night for North End. Obviously, defensive issues were there with Red Ledson at, at right back and then at left back and when you're playing against a side with that had wingers the quality that that Hull had it's always going to be um, it's always going to be a, a tough night be interesting as you mentioned tactic wise for North End where they where they choose to go I mean there's no overwhelming pl- like players that seem injured from Saturday whereas sometimes we weren't sure whether Hughes would, would be fit after after Wigan, for example. Um, Donnell Fisher doesn't seem to be too far away. Alex Neil wasn't 
too worried about it. I think it was partly precaution, but also partly because Clark fits well against Millwall. That it, it didn't really didn't really mind too much. Would surprise me if um, if Darnell Fisher came back in, and then it's a choice of I suppose you could choose whether to bring uh, bring Galley in and try and get get the ball moving forward a bit quicker. I saw a stat the other day is saying he's basically leads the division in getting that ball into the final third. So it really gives North End that that sort of that impetus and, and sets the tone for North End. And when you've got players like Sinclair and Barkazen and, and maybe Harrop or, or Johnson in that final third, that's where you want to be playing your football, isn't it? Yeah, and I think when we've done well this season and, and throughout the season is when we've played to players' strengths. Hmm. You play players in positions where they're comfortable, not necessarily their obvious position, um, but then you play to the strengths and all those players are good with the ball at their feet. So don't look the ball into the air at the head. You know, I, I can understand at times, as on Saturday, you've got three big centre-halves. Um, you're not getting a lot of, of joy on the floor after the first 15 minutes. So you can put it up there, but then we go back to that second ball issue again. Mm. Have players coming in, and it's happened with uh, right at the end of the, the good spell, if you like. We'd had two good chances from crosses, get to the byline and in. Um uh, for uh, Scott Sinclair and, and, and DJ. And then the third chance is a, a ball into the box, header down, falls to Tom Barquez and shanks it wide. Yep. But that was probably the only time we got on to uh, what you might call an attacking second ball. We just didn't do it after that. Um, so I think if you're going to have those players in, I love to watch Josh Harrop on the ball. It's, I, I don't tend to watch him when he's on the ball, I just watch his feet. Because yeah. the speed of his feet and his control. If you let them play us in and, and let them have the head, they, they will create something. Yeah, last month's Player of the Month nomination, Josh Harrop, yeah. who has no. not had a kick since. <laughs> Can't get um, I, I think it's it's interesting because I think Harrop's best games for North End, especially of late, have come centrally. And at the moment, you can't really drop Daniel Johnson. The season he's had, I think he's been absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I, I think... He's less influential in a deeper role, and I, and I feel like Harrop is the victim of that. I think you see at, at, at Wigan the the influence that Johnson can have. I don't think he had it against Millwall, but I don't think anyone did. So I think he's just a victim of his circumstance at the moment. It's it's very unfortunate that he finally finds this form and he's and he's really sort of cooking with gas and he, he's really firing and. Then he's he's dropped out of the side. It, it's it'll be it'll be tough for him that, and I think it, I I wouldn't like it to see it, Kirk like stop his momentum because he's never had a I wouldn't say he's ever had a real real run in the first team. No, you uh, that run he was on. You can see the reason. You know, once he got fit after uh, properly fit after last season's injury. Yeah, you can see why we brought him to the club, and he's developed. The, the thing for me now, he's shown he can do it. He can do it again. It wasn't just flashes, it was long periods of games. Um, and yes, more effective centrally, but quite often coming in off the left side. Normally on the left-hand side, but then drifting into the middle, maybe drifting all the way across to the right. And that's where we've done our best attacking play this season, where we've had four players up the front who start in one position and then just constantly interchange, swirling around, mm. uh, changing positions, moving. Um, and I think... That's what we need to get back to. We can get back. We've got the players to do it. Uh, we could do it on Saturday. Um, and we'll see where it takes us. We've got, what, 12 games left? I'm losing count, getting older. 
but you know um, there was one interesting stat that came up on Saturday and it wasn't me I'll credit yeah. I'll credit Neil Mellor we've only kept two clean sheets at home all season um, which came as a surprise it's what 13 on the run now since we last kept a clean sheet that's something they need to look at um, it hasn't been an issue because we've been scoring more at the mm. other end but, um, but we're going I into, think it's aware of it but. yeah we're going into home games at the moment expecting Preston to need to score two in that sense because yeah. if they if they can't keep a clean sheet they have to score two to win the game and luckily that hasn't been too much of an issue in terms of, of scoring goals but and I know a few fans were concerned about this at the start of the season when North End was scoring thousands and thousands of goals and, and, and were playing this brilliant football North End still weren't creating many chances they were just taking them and there was a spell where the where the, the finishing touch dried up and the number of chances stayed the same but the goals dried up because they just weren't quite taking them and that is going to be an issue. I think it's going to, going to be an issue between now and the end of the season because North End didn't sign a striker in January. I feel like, and I, I may have said this before, that spell against Wigan and that spell against Millwall if you have a, an out-and-out goal scorer in your side, and I'll, I'll say Naki Wells because he was the talk of the January transfer window as, as a striker um, who ended up going to Bristol City. I don't think North End were ever really interested, especially for, probably for the finances that were involved. But if you have that sort of striker, in those spells, I feel like they pop up and get a goal or they make that space. They capitalise on that pressure and they will find you a goal as a as a top six side, as one of the better sides in the division. They will find you that goal, and that that could prove the difference. Um, yes, I understand the argument. Um, I'm not that bothered about the fact we didn't sign a striker. I think um, once he finds his feet, I think Scott Sinclair could be that player. Hmm. Scott Sinclair, if you look at his goals in Scotland, um, a, a proper finisher. Um, we've got we've got players who've, who've shown they can score this season from coming from deeper positions. Uh, you look at the chances on Saturday. Um, Scott Sinclair couldn't have done any better with his chance. Mm. Um, it's a good block. It's a good block. DJ, good save. Nuge should finish. The I obvious think, striker. I think place it more, yeah. Johnson. But. Uh, but but Nuge, the obvious striker, falls mm. to and blasts it over the bar. Um, so you know it's. It, it's fine margins, but I think we've got enough players there to score goals anyway. I think if you brought an out-and-out -out striker in, and I don't know who you'd bring in without having to spend ridiculous amounts of money and pay the ridiculous amounts of money, That's the issue. then, again, we go back to this, uh, this pressure. Mm. We brought in a proper striker. He's now going to score 20 goals in the last 12 games of the season. Uh, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily fit our style of play at the minute to have... Uh, somebody who's only there for the goals you know I think they can all create goals they can all finish goals uh, in their own different ways um, I'm really happy with where the season's going I think it's been a terrific season and I think um, it's going to have a, a very very interesting end um, I was <laughs> well, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I, was watch, I don't watch matches there very much I was watching Liverpool uh, the other week and I was thinking I'm glad this isn't North End was it 25 wins and one draw uh, if that was North End and the next game uh, on Saturday at Deepdale, Hull get a corner in the first five minutes. The entire ground will go quiet. Mm. <laughs> oh, if we concede here, this yeah. is it. We're gonna we're gonna blow the championship. <laughs> we're naturally pessimistic at Deepdale, aren't we? But I think no matter where this season goes, now we've had a terrific season. Yeah. 
We can't say it's not been entertaining. We can't mm. say it's not been interesting. And that's what we go for after all, isn't it? So, yeah. 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 And speaking of interesting and entertaining, the uh, training ground has had its latest development. I mean, there's not a great deal to talk about in terms of beyond what we know and beyond what um, is being reported. Um, you can check on the Lancashire Post website for our article um, talking about what's going on in the training ground. Basically, um, North End have applied for planning permission to... Um, improve Springfields whilst they wait for Ingle to be ready. Ingle, um, the site on the golf course is still going to take a few years because they need the money coming out um, from the houses to, to fund it. Um, this is seen as an interim solution for PNE. Um, they want to build a new two-storey building at, at Springfield and, and demolish part of the existing structure. Um, and it's worth thinking that this improvement to Springfields, whilst will benefit the first team in the short term as well, it's also going to be the, the future base of the academy. So where North End are going to improve the 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 current location at Springfields, I'm sure part of the mind is thinking of, of the academy later, so it's not exactly dead money to them and it might make them a little bit more willing to spend there. That isn't to say that it's not primarily for the first team because they know the site at Ingle is going to take a few years. I know it's a big a big problem for for the fans at the moment that there's been little to no movement on that front. I know there were some newts involved in that, <laughs> although that's been that's been sorted. It's now more a case of the funds and and uh, the housing at the moment. But that's the the latest sort of part of the saga of the training ground that's that's now been rattling on for a few years yeah I think to me, I, don't, I don't think it's been handled particularly well the, the publicity of that they could have done all this on the quiet nobody was clamouring for a new training ground I don't think uh, the club could have bought the, bought the land built the houses and then said right we're using the property from the houses to build a new training ground. And everybody's jumping up and down. This is fantastic. This is great. Long-term planning. Because uh, they went out, right, we're going to have, a, we're gonna have a, a big new training ground and there's going to be houses around it. Uh, and it's going to be, there's going to be a new park there and it's going to be a, a, a fantastic facility. Um, I, by starting with, they're going to have a training ground and these things. If they'd just done it on the quiet, built all the houses and then said, right, the profit from this, we're not, nobody would know the club on, on the land. Nobody would know that uh, they were selling houses, building and selling houses. So people aren't saying, why is that money not going into the first team? Could have done it all on the quiet and they'd say, right, we're using the profits from these houses we built to put a training ground. And it would have still taken the same amount of time, but there's not all these expectations. Well, I think as well, the fans obviously got got behind the project and, and helped get the, the appeal through, which I think is part of the frustration where there's been a bit less transparency that they would have liked. I think at the end of the statement from from PNE on the website, it said it was it was there to be more transparent to the fans because they're aware of the of the help they've got. This this um, new development to the training ground came up on the on the <coughs> Preston City Council website. So there's there's not always a way to hide it and, and go about it quietly necessarily. Um, it got it got flagged to us at work because. The, the the new side look at things like that. They're always looking at these new development. What what planning permission has been put into the to the council to see, to kind of keep an eye on the city, keep see what's going on there. So it's not always a necessarily a way for um, 
North End or possible for North End to hide it. I don't think necessarily you want to. Um, but I think the big thing with North End, it was, it was meant to be a part of a statement of, of Premier League, of this is going to be state-of-the-art, it's going to be ready for that. And I think just the time it takes is just starting to, to grate on fans. I don't think the players are, t- are too bothered. Um, I think it's a big part for Alex Neil to, to, to have that there, have that base. He's, he's very much a coach. I think he'd like a, a nice training ground and something to work off and to probably match his ambitions potentially. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where we're up to uh, of late with with the training ground. They're, they're going to make improvements to Springfield. Obviously, they spent money on the on the pitches in the summer uh, to make them more like Deepdale. Um, but yeah, it's it's looking like uh, Springfield's going to be the home for the next few years. Yeah, and it's they're not doing badly. Mm. <laughs> you know, they haven't done badly for the last four or five years being based at Springfield's and uh, investing in it. Let's say apparently short term, but long term, uh, then any investment is, is good. And if it takes five years for the training ground, it's going to take five years, and that's it. You know, they're, they're building houses up there. There's lots of new houses gone up around there. I, I actually drove along there on Sunday, mm. and I think. What? Who? What? Where's this roundabout come from? <laughs> come to a new roundabout, and then you go. All oh, right, they build there. Other bit. Oh, I wouldn't buy a house there, mm. with you know the whatever it's called, Tom Benson Way on the front and the motorway at the back. And yeah, still, so the, I think they are still waiting on new roads up there as well, which will help with the with yeah. the housing ease congestion. And so there's lots of competition. There's all the building that's going on just the other side of the motorway at Broughton. So um, how quickly they sell those houses? How quickly they build them? You know, but. I, they will go and the, the money will come in. And uh, go back to the newts, how they can be endangered because they find them on every building site in the country. So <laughs> there must be millions of them. I don't know what class is endangered. They must, they must specifically pick future building sites yeah. for, their, for their homes. Hmm. Um, right, well, that's everything we've got to talk about this week. But Martin, what I'd like to say, you obviously you've uh, done me the favour of coming on with uh, Dave being absent today. I, think, I feel like we should, um, I, I doubt Dave's even going to listen. So I think we should come up with something. Say some that, things about Dave that he won't listen. Well, I right. If if you're if if you've stayed this long into the podcast, we're nearly at an hour. If you stayed this long, right? I think everyone should just just tweet Dave, get in touch with Dave, and just ask him a, ask him a stupid question. Ask him <laughs> ask him how his pet tortoise is or something like that, because he's not going to listen. Which which I think is poor form from Dave. If he's not here, he should be listening. But. Go at, if if you can just just tweet Dave and ask him how his pet tortoise is doing something like that because it just to prove because if he doesn't know that means he's not been listening and that's that's not not acceptable. No, his name's on the podcast. His name's on the <laughs> name's on the door. Um, Tonight, Matthew, I'm being dead. Yeah. So just tell us again. Obviously, you said you're going off to uh, Sporting Memories after this. Do, yep. Just do you want to uh, give a bit about that and 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 give it a platform that it deserves as well. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, Sporting Memories was set up about ten years ago, uh, and it's the idea is to help people who are um, disengaged from society in some way. It's essentially for people over fifty, though I never ask anybody's age mm. at our group. Um, initially it was for people uh, with dementia which is a huge issue in football at the minute as mm. we know uh, or depression or loneliness um, and it's to get them re-engaged through the, the power of sport so we meet every Tuesday at, uh, at North End we're in the players lounge now um, at 11 o'clock it's free we work 11 till 12.30 we do a variety of things so today it's me giving a talk about the theft of the World Cup in 1966. Mm. Uh, we have quizzes, which are a bit daft at times. 
we get take part in various activities. So last week we were doing indoor bowling and indoor curling, <laughs> which is a riot. Um, I got some more activities uh, last week, and my two-year-old and ten-year-old grandchildren were were uh, were trying them out. So I think we'll, we'll take them in next week to Sporting Memories and get them to have a go at um, what what have we got? We've got coits where you throw a wooden ring onto onto sticks. Oh, okay. And we've got a, I was going to get floor darts, but we've got a, a target instead. With <laughs> um, you throw tennis balls out and they stick on. And, oh, right. Because they're a competitive lot. Not a target on anyone's ring. back. You're not wearing it. Well, I might moving I can, target. I can think of one or two people I could put it on the back for <laughs> because they're, they're a competitive lot. Um, and we do all sorts of different things. We have guest speakers down and, uh, as well as, as yeah. so. Uh, and it's it's a way for people to come and get involved in sport, meet other people who are interested, and just meet people mm. and get out. Get involved. You don't in have community. to be dealing with de- depression, either somebody with dep- uh, or, or dementia. You don't have to be living with it or caring for somebody. Um, I started by going to the one at Leyland that, that Keith McIntosh runs. Uh, I was there last Monday, and there's 52 people there. Wow. Uh, I started. I started going last March, so just under a year ago, and there are about 25, mm. so it's just taken off. And a lot of the people who go to Leyland play for Leyland Motors at football and or cricket, or they play for Leyland Cricket Club, or they play for Eden Brothers Football Club, and they worked at Leyland Motors, or they worked at Leyland Paints, BTR, wherever they were. So they're, they're meeting old workmates. Mm. Uh, and uh, Steve Elliott goes along, ex-North Ender, and his wife, Mags. Uh, Steve, obviously, living with uh, dementia now. Tony Parks started going. I met Tony recently. And then there's people like Alex Bruce go, Ricky Thompson, uh, eyes are glazing over it. it doesn't mean anything to you John oh, Smith all ex Northenders who yeah. go along um, uh, and they're all great lads you go along and meet and there's no side to them or anything like that um, and it just generates people's memories we've got somebody who's, who comes to our session today um, uh, Eddie and he won't mind me mentioning this um, but when Eddie started coming when we started <coughs> pardon me when we started in October Eddie was very disengaged mm. And now he comes along. When he comes along, as soon as he walks in, he sees me, he waves, and we have to. Uh, there was something daft going on a couple of weeks ago, and we were a, he was having a real laugh at it. And you know, and it, they look forward to coming. You know, um, so it's it's a nice group. We've got about twenty five thirty at the minute. It's growing. Uh, we moved to North End from January. We were previously at Finney House, uh, and we moved into Players Lounge, uh, and I got great support from uh, Alistair in the uh, Community Trust, uh, and we have a growing number of volunteers as well so we do we do all sorts of things uh, it's free to anybody you want to come along you're coming through the Invincibles reception on the Lawthorpe Roadside it's the uh, the entrance right next to the entrance to the Minerva Centre because I guarantee this morning as soon as we were in there people will be coming in I've got an appointment I need to give blood no it's next door it's next door <laughs> so it's easy to find I mean they could give blood but it's they not, could give blood yeah, but we don't know what to do with it once yeah. we've got it uh, I say it's all free and we have uh, Tea and coffee and, and, and biscuits. We had cake last week. Somebody baked a cake last week, so oh, there you uh, go. we might always get cake. Um, but That's it's incentive. very welcome to anybody. Anybody who wants to come along. Do you, um, do you need to register or get into a training or are you nope. just happy to walk in? No, just walk in. Uh, there's one at Leyland, as I said, at the LFA headquarters on a Monday. There's one at Chorley Football Club on Wednesday. Uh, there's others further out. Um, I think there's one at Blackpool now. They're starting one at AFC Fylde, I believe. Uh, I think there's one at File Rugby Club, but I'm not sure. But there is a Sporting Memories web- website. Just look at, just type in Sporting Memories and find the website. It's got all the clubs listed. There's about 130 around the country now. Uh, and Tony, James and Ellen, who set it up, 
Renks need about hundred, uh, about three hundred to cover the country. But there's, I'm just reading this morning. There's one starting at Southport mm. uh, next in about two weeks. Southport Football Club. Uh, there's a lot just started in the Rupert Clubs in in South Wales. So it's growing. Um, and if you think it's not for you as going along, go along as a as a volunteer. Always mm. looking for volunteers. There's a hashtag join the squad. Uh, I know about hashtags yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You're not a granddad. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's a good thing there's a radio. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a great thing to get involved in. I get at least as much out, much out of it as I put in. Hmm. Uh, I've got to meet some wonderful people at Leyland and at Preston. And, and it's great to see people just having a, uh, a laugh and a joke and enjoying themselves. And they really look forward to it. So come on down yeah, every so Tuesday 11 if, till 12.30 if you know anyone it doesn't have to be yourself if you know anyone who you think may benefit I understand that there may not necessarily be that many that are, that, that are struggling with dementia or anything like that that necessarily listen to this podcast but if you know anyone who is disengaged who is struggling with depression may be feeling lonely may be struggling with dementia or mental health issues or not then feel free to, to get them in touch and, and get them down to Sporting Memories because they're doing some brilliant things for, for people that are uh, going through tough times or just, just creating a, a social environment for um, people to, to spend their time in. Um, but I think that's us for, for this week, Martin. So all I've got to say is uh, thank you very much for joining me and and uh, coming in for a chat. Thanks for having me, too. Yeah. And uh, let's hope we've caused a bit of controversy and get people... Firing in <laughs> comments and questions. No, we're not. We're not. Uh, we're not a certain radio uh, radio channel. I'm not naming names. Um, but yeah, so that's it. So thank you very much for listening. My name's been Tom Sandals. If you want to keep in touch with me, you can follow me on on Twitter at Tom Sandals. Um, Dave said, and we'll be back next week, back from his uh, his week off. Keep in touch with everything from the Lancashire Post. Uh, we'll have all the stories from Preston North End, we'll have daily stories of Preston North End, all the coverage, all the coverage from the youth team game tonight and Hull at the weekend and follow at LEP underscore football for all of our stories. Thank you very much for listening.